Hello everyone, welcome to the Chica Travel Podcast. My name is Lelo B and I'm super excited to share this episode with you, brought to you in partnership with Multi-Choice Group and the Jobek Film Festival. Our stories, our gold. The Jobek Film Festival is back and better than ever, attracting the best in the industry to Johannesburg and further growing cultural tourism in South Africa as a whole. Now from Tuesday, January the 31st to Sunday, February the 5th, this festival will showcase over 60 films, including a range of African premieres, as well as a dynamic range of audience and industry initiatives. Trust me, you do not want to miss it. Now, in this particular episode, I will be chatting with Mpumi Mbele, the director of Music Is My Life, which is a documentary about Ladysmith Black Mambazo's Joseph Shabalala. The film tells the story of the late Joseph Shabalala, who rose to international fame with his band Ladysmith Black Mambazo after contributing to Paul Simon's Graceland album. The documentary covers the full breadth of the singer's life, from his early years in rural South Africa to the height of Ubabu Shabalala's global success and his passing in 2020 at the age of 79. I'm really honored to have gotten the opportunity to chat with Mbumi about such an important project for South African arts. So sit back, relax and enjoy my conversation with Mbumi. Let's dive in. Bumi and welcome to the Chica Travel Podcast. Hey Lilo, thank you for having me. This week I'm so lucky I'm getting to interview, you know, documentary and film directors, so I'm feeling like a bit of a VIP. So, <laughs> <laughs> so just before we get started on this um, uh, Music Is My Life documentary that I'm going to chat to you about, I just wanted to check what is your relationship with travel? Do you even care about travel at all? Yo, it's my, it's my ultimate. I love traveling. I mean, I was introduced to traveling very early on uh, in my life. My parents were in exile. So I guess I was forced to travel, not by choice. Mm-hmm. And uh, automatically that opened um, another world to me. You know, my family are from Port St. John's. My mom is from Port St. John's. My dad is from Ecofimbabwe. Mm. So during school holidays, I mean, and I'm from Soweto, I was born in Soweto. Mm. So, you know, as a Sowetan kid, there was always that typical of like, I'm a good you know. <laughs> and my dad and my mom were so proud of being that, you mm. know. I Early stages, I didn't like that because mm. like December comes, I'm like, oh, gosh, now I'm going to have to be traveling. <laughs> but um, it just opened this other world. And my dad actually used to make sure that we travel um, at night. Mm. And as we reach Port St. John's, it would be like 4 a.m. It would be like 3 a.m. Mm. And I mean, obviously for him, it was running away from the police, you know, which I didn't know at the time. But when we hit Port St. John's or Coffee Bay, mm. it would be like dawn. It would be like early. It would be like four. You know, I know the feeling of it. Mm. You know, like mm. I like the feeling. It's so, like I can't even explain it to someone. Tandy's always got a song called Trans Sky Moon. When I listen to that song, I feel like I even said to her, like, you get it. She was like, dude, you know, <laughs> I can't explain it to someone else. It's that mm. this feeling of seeing that uh, Transkai beach any before no one is there and the feeling of it, it's something you cherish. So, yeah, I love traveling. I mean, mm-hmm. I've, yeah, I've traveled to different places. I mean, Zanzibar being one of my favorite um, town is beautiful. 
Mm. Um, each and every place, I feel like it's got a story on its own. That's amazing. I actually, uh, you're embarrassed to admit that I actually haven't been to Coffee Bay. <gasps> I know, I know, I know, no, I know. I'll correct it. 2023, New Year, there's a whole 11 months, more months to go. So I've got time, you right? Gotta, you, you, you gotta travel the Eastern Cape. Yeah. I mean, I might sound biased. It's one of the most beautiful. I mean, the beaches for me, and I've I've been to different places, you know, um, you like Spain and all those places. But Eastern Cape for me, Coffee Bay is just like it's such a spiritual place. The beach is unbelievable. It's it's definitely on my list, and I I will definitely be checking it out. So let's get uh, to talking about your documentary. Then, how and why did you randomly just uh, decide to make a documentary? about Joseph Shabalala's life journey? There's layers to it, to be honest with you. I come from advertising and then I moved into directing TV commercials. Mm. So during that process of doing commercials, when I used to research for my, for my staff and even when I was still at, at agency level, there was just not really positive images of black men. Mm. Um, there was just no reflection of the men that I know, the fathers that took care of me, you know, when I was growing up from Soweto to Islalini to advertising, you know, there's always been these positive black men that I've always seen around me, my mentors, you know. Mm. When I started um, in advertising, again, I was under the wing of same thing, mentors, Abu you know, Dimabes and so many of these guys that were like mm. these positive, positive men. You know, I've always worked along the lines of working with with men and brothers. You know, uh, there's something there that I've just always cherished. So when I started working, moving away from directing commercials, A, it was getting saturated and B, I was just getting frustrated with it. I just felt like I was not growing anymore, you know, and I was looking into building long form. I went to, 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 to Jobek Theater with my son, who's 13 to go and watch Lady Smith Black Mambazo. And he had never heard of them. He was so annoyed (laughs) going to watch this band that he has no idea who they are. And after that, he was so amazed. I mean, he's like, his eyes were wide open and as we're coming out, he said, Dad, you gotta tell, you gotta tell the story. You you gotta make a documentary. You gotta make a film about them. You gotta make a commercial. I took it light, but then at some point I, I had had interactions with Ubab Shabala, you know, and I've always felt like this story needs to be told. Mm. So from then onwards, I was like, okay, cool. And when I really stopped directing commercials, then I was like, okay, cool. I got to tell the story. So I had a list of five black men that Mm. I wanted to tell their stories for these individuals that are are successful, but like have gone through these different triumphs as men, but like still held this power of being black men. And so it happened that myself and Caroline met at that time, and she was also interested in partnering and telling the story. And mm. yeah, I started the journey of doing, wanting to tell that story. Wow, wow, wow. What a beautiful, beautiful story. Um, actually, as you're talking, I realized that I may have met you, but I'll ask you at the end. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So it's you. <laughs> yes, it's me. <laughs> Good to connect. Yep. <laughs> what do you believe um, in contributed to the success of, um, you know, Joseph Shabalala, Lady Smith, Black Mambazo on, on that international level? I think it's what 
their generation stuck to, they stuck to who they are. Unapologetically, so his roots grounded him. And it's the same as Mamire Makeba. Ubkosabaki grounded her, you know, even although wherever she was, that just like grounded her. That's what I think that made them different. And it will sound very cliche, but I, I, I firmly believe there's few people that land on this earth with the purpose. And I genuinely believe he, he was one of those people that his purpose was to do music and take this traditional music to the world. I mean, I don't know if I should dive into it now or it's something we can chat later about, but for a man of his like era and where he was born to to think like he, he thought, it's, it's, mm. it's just unheard of. I mean, he recorded every move of his. He's got like almost 7,000 audio tapes of himself. He's got like over 10,000 digital tapes where he was just constantly recording himself. And he literally had this vision. So his life felt like it was prophesized, right? Because mm. his traditional name is Upegizizwe, mm. which means the one that will go and see the world. And even when in his later years, when I met him, we were like talking, even when he was sick, the only thing that he could do is to sing. He sang even when he was asleep. When I started, communi- I communicated with Tandi, so because she worked with him at some point and we're having coffee and we're having a chat. And she said, it's so funny that when they were touring with Graceland, Bob mm. Shavalala would be asleep. But when you look at his lips, you will see that he's singing. Wow. So, Yeah. He was just like that amazing kind of a person. I don't even remember your question now. <laughs> <laughs> no, you 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 answered my question because you were talking about you know what contributed to their to their success on on an international level. So, and I think also hard work. Let, mm. let me not let me not dispute that. You know, Lady Smith Black Mambazo to this day, how they rehearse, it's unbelievable. Like it's their mm-hmm. it's their job. Like I was born saying to where they are today and the accolades and they're probably one of the most Grammy award winning in Africa. And they rehearse, their rehearsal is like unbelievable. How they're dedicated to their job. Mm. It's unbelievable. It's like ununderstandable. Well, they're getting like, let's say three and all of them are there. All of them are there, mm. 10 to three. They rehearse from three to six and they go to gym or whatever. And the next day again, they are back at it and they know each other sings and they constantly edit. That consistently of constantly putting work into your craft and mm. respecting your craft, mm. you know, I think that's what led to their success. Yeah. And I guess the young the, the young ones out there in the industry, they just need to look at how like Lady Snip Black Mambazo and Joseph Shabalala did it to see how it's done. Because I mean the level of of success that they achieved internationally, which is what, you know, if you look at our artists, this is what they're looking for. You know, how do I make that breakthrough? Um and exactly. guys just happened to 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 make it happen for themselves, even with their background. So it's it's truly an incredible story. And thank you for telling it. I think it's such an important story for, for, for us. And we don't do a good job of documenting our stories actually as South Africans. There's so much um out there that we we that we haven't documented. So hopefully you're on that path to to uncover more. <laughs> I wanted to just ask why why was he recording himself and, and everything that he does so much? Did he think he needed to keep, you know, these stories for, for, for generations and for us? What, what was his reason for documenting everything? Exactly. Recording everything? Exactly. I, I mean, you know, we're trying to 
figure out how can we tell that side of the story, you know, mm-hmm. the audio tapes, because it's, it's so important. You know, a family is going to do a museum or an audio, yeah. whatever, you know, archive mm-hmm. or audio book. And his thing, even with conversations with uh, other artists, it was constantly saying we need to leave the legacy for the next generation. And again, that's what I mean, that you're very rooted in Ubuzulubake because he was like in Lela which means the ones that have gone forward, they know the way. So as a person that was constantly on this path, he will record each and every part of the path so that I guess, I don't know, but like the next generation can be able to access this knowledge, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And his his dream was to open a, a traditional school. Like literally, that was his dream. You know, so that like the, the the Zulu tradition is understood, it's known. I mean, even just doing this documentary, I learned a lot. I didn't even know that, you know, the beats that people were, mm-hmm. uh, they have meaning. White means a, a woman loves you. Red means something, you know, like, and it's all recorded in these tapes so that obviously we couldn't be able to put into the form. Mm-hmm. So I think it was to pass the knowledge to, to the next generation because he was very obsessed about that. And I think that's why constantly recorded himself wow amazing so how did you i mean approach you know just capturing the 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 different perspectives and the voices of people who are all from different cultures and backgrounds that have been touched by ubabu joseph the story evolved as soon as i discovered the tapes Mm. so um the treatment i wrote five years ago to the execution of the film, it's a completely different thing, mm-hmm. completely. A, I wanted to show Ubab Shabalala from the people around him and how he influenced the world. Mm-hmm. And then when I got the tapes, I then got to access his voice. And then I got to know that like, oh, okay, cool. This is what he was talking about, the birth of the Ladysmith Black Mambas or his background and all of mm-hmm. that. So the reality, I never wanted to show any interviews. Mm-hmm. Like I never wanted to show people's faces that I interviewed, but because of the funding, the TV channels and all the people around, I then had to do that. I just wanted people to be absorbed in his voice, in his world. Yeah. But um, I lost that battle, which happens when you make forms. And then, um, I mean, just uh, I, I watched the, I haven't seen the documentary, but I watched the trailer and some clips and I saw that, you know, the family was, you did involve the family. They welcomed you making the, the film. And um, I'm just wondering if you had any particular, and I mean, you talking about having gotten access to the audio tapes and all of that. Were there any specific challenges and, and what was the reaction from the family on, on, on you making this, this film? There, there was none. Mm-hmm. Uh, the family, Umam Shabalala is like my, my mom now. I visited Lady Smith and we talk completely different things. You know, we don't even talk about the film now. You know, I can go and talk to you about relationship issues. I can go and talk about, you know, life itself. Um, there was just a, I don't know, you know, I mean, other people might call it, I mean, energy or whatever. But like from day one, when I went to to meet them, I didn't even know where they stayed. I just knew that they live in Ladysmith and I had just this edge. So I drove from Joburg to literally Ladysmith uh, to go and look for the family. And they just like from when I landed in Ladysmith, I asked, I mean, I remember asking a Metropolis guy and he drove me to the mall and at the mall, someone took me 
to spa because apparently they had seen them at spa and then at spa the woman that works there said i know the cleaner and then it, it was crazy it was like this web and when i arrived mom shabalala opened the gates if like she knew who i was mm-hmm. and there was already uh, i think three companies um international mm-hmm. that were already wanting to tell the story and i mean one company was like iconic company of a black film maker that you know that i know and i was like what mm-hmm. and mom shabalala we we had I arrived at like six. She made me tea, and she was like, "Are you gonna drive back?" And I said, "Yes." She was like, "Ah, oh, you can sleep." I was like, "No, no, no, no. I'm gonna have to drive back." And we had this 15-minute chat, wow. literally 15 minutes, and then they just became my family. That's just how it happened. You know, I I can't even explain how that happened. I'll be lying if I say I created this. And I mean, there were people like I'm saying, there were international from. companies that we approaching them mm-hmm. you know and but they were mamshabalala's concern was like they felt like they've constantly been taken advantage of mm-hmm. by either white people or certain companies you mm-hmm. know and they just wanted to tell the story genuinely and we started building that relationship from there that I would drive down and I would be having my audio tapes wanting to record them and I mean I would spend the entire day lelo without even recording you know <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I was start sitting there and talking to Mam Shabalala and even Ubaba. This is why it took three years instead of one year because you were busy having coffee there and chatting. Of- <laughs> no, it took five years. <laughs> yeah, but like I mean, it just it just happened organically. You know what I mean? It was just I'll come back and I mean I remember at some point Caroline, who's the producer, should be like, "So what did you do? Play me the tapes." I'll be like, "You, I was just talking to them," and she'll be like, "Huh?" Like what? Did like the whole day? I'm like, yeah, we just had a conversation, and I understood also the the level of slowness, which mm-hmm. you know, life teaches you. It's like it's just a circle because mm-hmm. having constantly visited Eastern Cape and spending time with my grandfather there, who was like a slow motion. You know, I'll come there with my jovial attitude of like, okay, cool, let's go, let's go, and you just be like, no, we'll go. And I'll be like, no, that don't call us here, Nini. And you'll be like, Bumelelo Sizaya. And Usizaya can happen the next day. Nailo Tosh, I'm like, I'm like, yo, that don't call it on. And be like, Sizaya. And that's like how they were like, Ubab Shabalala, Numam Shabalala. I'll get there and it'll just be the slow motion of like. Yeah. But I think then it it, it just kind of gave you a, an opportunity and an advantage in in just getting to know them at such an intimate level, which would definitely beneficial for the story you were telling. So besides the nice coffees and teas that you had, what was what what do you think were the most memorable you know moments or your favorite moments uh, during the making of the the film? Just looking at Black Love. that was just pure love that was like probably the most amazing thing to mm. see how a black man just loved this his woman mm. you know babshabalala loved umamneli the one that passed away you can hear it in the tapes you you mm. can literally hear it in the in the audio tapes like the love that they had and you can see it mm. and also when she was late how mamshabalala loved babshabalala Mm-hmm. you know he was like in a wheelchair he was no longer talking and she would just be talking to him as if he's the person that is currently alive i mean i remember we we were there 
a day before he passed on and we arrived at the hospital the day he passed on. Um, that's what I mean, that they became a family with mm-hmm. Caroline. We went there in Pretoria. I remember Usbong saying, and Mam Shabalala would just not accept that. And it was just like, for me, the love that he had for his, his wives mm. and the love that he had for his kids, it's something that I value and I, I take to myself to this day. That he just had love for his family and he loved his kids. That's what I, I take with me. Wow, that's incredible. Now, I know you've mentioned quite a bit like the, the audio tapes, for example, they were surprised. Was there, you know, were there any unexpected, uh, you know, things that you learned about the man himself or Lady Smith Black members or during the making of? That he was, la- he was like the ladies' man. <laughs> <laughs> In his early days, we saw that, you know, mm. and that's what he says in the audio tapes. And that's what you pick up, you know, that he was like literally a ladies' man. But mm. um, the other thing that I picked up that, I, oh, I, I had no clue. It's the, clearly the relationship that he had with Paul Simon. When I was making this film, I came from that radical mind of like showing Paul Simon for I believed who he was, like this man, this white man that came and took this African culture and this music and made billions out of it Mm -hmm. without um, acknowledging Bab Shabalat. And when I started making the film and interviewing Abus Bongse and hearing the tapes, I I just realized that their actually their relationship was genuine. So I had to take my own personal point of views about him mm. to the side. That is amazing. Actually, do you reflect that in the in the documentary? Okay, no, wait, we will have to go and see it, right? Do you have- yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> please. <laughs> Don't please. Tell me, yeah. let, me, let me be surprised when I watch. <laughs> okay, so just in your opinion, what, do you, what role do you think, you know, documentaries play in promoting and preserving African culture abroad? I think they are a true reflection of us. When you look at fiction films, and I mean, I, I'm working on some now, it's, it's like a relatable story. It's mm. like a fiction film, it can be anywhere else, you know, except for the language and, and I mean the texture of the environment. Whereas with documentaries, it's the ethnic truth of the people. You can't, there's nothing you can do to claim but appreciate of that person. Whatever or however the documentary is told and the subject matter, it's the truth of that space. And that, that is, for me, the most important thing. And it's just sad that we don't value them. And having told this and constantly watching them, I, I realize the importance of that. But I also think we just need to find ways in telling them that it's not boring. And I've been seeing there's this, this quite a couple of documentaries, um, you know, the current trend in, of documentaries in the music industry that have been coming out. Definitely. How, do you, Definitely. how do you see it evolving in, you know, in the next coming years or in the future? I think it's beautiful. I think it's like literally that's the way to go. And also I think our audience are starting to, with these multimedia um, networks that are coming on board, Mm. Our audience are starting to to want to absorb more information. You know, mm. I think also um, the digital space is is birthing different ways of wanting to consume our content. And people now do want to hear. You know, people do want to sit down and hear. It's the same as a podcast. People want to listen, spend an hour listening to a person talk. But now we want to listen to podcasts that have nothing to do with playing music, but to engage and hear what people are saying. And I think that's where it's moving now. 
you know, with documentaries. It's like people are really genuinely interested to hear about the person. That's awesome. Okay, so uh, the film festival is starting now on the 31st. And uh, hopefully we get to see your uh, film. What do you hope people will take away from it after they've seen it? The respect that Ubab Shabalala deserves. Mm. I think more than anything else, I think the respect that Ubab Shabalala deserves and the icon and the genius that he was, you know, I think that is the most important thing. And I really hope people see themselves. I hope a young black boy from Eastern Cape, Soweto, Alex, can be able to watch it and see themselves and, and know that it's possible. He didn't have any government help. He didn't have any corporate help. And again, you know, uh, this, I know I'm saying it with the privilege of, you know, the education and the background and the surroundings, you know, mm-hmm. but I just really hope that, like, you know, where we are as a country, it's it's like very hectic, you know, mm-hmm. the level of unemployment, it's unbelievable. And I just hope, I hope some young black boys, some black men, or even other race, but I'll speak of black men because of my experience, that you come out of there knowing that, yo, dude, it's possible, man. Even I, this was just an idea, you know? Mm-hmm. So I hope people come out of there with that zeal that this man lived his dream he lived it to the last day Mm -hmm. and his dream is not over because his kids are constantly spreading it till to this day i mean they were in london now they just did a tour where it was sold out yo it's possible the fact that they're still continuing you know with that legacy and that level of excellence as well more than anything is yeah. commendable. And I mean, when, when, when I just say boy or man, I, I don't mean any specific gender, right? Mm-hmm. I've just been engaging with quite a lot of sad boys these days. And I'm just like, yo, man, we just need to show that it's possible, you know, the, yeah. the, the anger, the, the, the pain of feeling neglected and left out, you know, the constant pressures of society and this life that it's been presented mm. on a daily basis. You know, I feel like it's constantly creating these depressions to these young men. Mm. And I just, yeah, anyway, let me not dive into that. <laughs> no, but thank you so, so much for that. I think we do need, you know, those reminders now and again, and they come in different forms. Today, it came in the form of you telling us about the story of Babu Joseph Shabalala and, and Black Mambazo. So thank you so, so much, Mbumi. I truly appreciate you making the time and I'm looking forward to seeing the film and I will definitely get back to you and give you my feedback on how I found it. <laughs> so thank you. Uh, please. <laughs> please be honest if 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 you felt whatever way please let me know but thank you so so much for your time thank you and this episode of chica travel podcast was proudly brought to you in partnership with the Joburg film festival our stories our gold <laughs>